When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. MPs are back in Westminster this week. Recess isn't a holiday. They're quick to remind you. They've been in their constituencies back with their voters, not long after many local elections in England, where a new policy battleground heated up, the housing crisis, and how to fix it. And there are divisions not just between the parties, but, to take the Conservatives, within them as well. On one side, harking back to when Harold Macmillan was Housing Secretary, proponents of the Tory ideal of a home-owning nation. We are the party of Macmillan. We're the party of a property-owning democracy. And we, we have to be the party of opportunity and letting people build capital in their lives. And on the other side, MPs defending voters concerned about overcrowding, green belt threatening, local service straining developments in their backyards. NIMBYs, as some would have them. Not in my backyard. I would respectfully suggest, Mr Deputy Speaker, to the Minister... It's not the fact that planning planners don't give out permissions. 80% of stuff gets passed. It's not the fact that pesky NIMBYs stop everything, because we know that's a load of rubbish. We need more homes. Most agree on that. Harold Macmillan managed 300,000 a year, a record that was last met in 1978. But forward wind to 2010, we were building 135,000 instead. And in the last couple of years... 200,000 a year. This source of infighting within the Conservatives is something Labour have been quick to point out. The dream of home ownership is real for very many working people. Those who have that dream have had it killed by this government. So how did the Tories end up so divided on housing? And with a general election not too far away, is this electorally dangerous? You're listening to Stories of Our Times from The Times and The Sunday Times. I'm Luke Jones. Today, why the Tories are tearing themselves apart over the housing crisis. I'm Jerry Scott. I'm a political reporter at The Times. Before last month's local elections in England, Jerry followed some candidates on the door-knocking trail. I did some door-knocking with the Lib Dems. I went out with a guy called Ali Pinkerton. He's the Lib Dem parliamentary candidate in Surrey Heath, which is Michael Gove's constituency, right? It's the mm. housing secretary's constituency. 
Ali was there, he was knocking on the door, I was standing behind him, and people were constantly bringing up housing. That's all they wanted to talk about. That and potholes. It was a local election. But housing and potholes were the big issues. They were talking about local developments that had already been built that they didn't feel like had gone well and developments that were upcoming or proposed. So it was a massive issue. And I think you saw that in the results when you saw the Lib Dems take all those councils and all those seats from the Tories in those what we call blue wall seats, those true blue Tory seats. So if that's what some people were saying on the doorstep in Surrey Heath, do we know if that's a feeling more widely amongst voters and I guess amongst MPs as well? Yeah, absolutely. I think if you look at the direction the Lib Dems took with their campaigning in those local elections, that's definitely what they were talking about. If you look somewhere like Windsor, for example, where they were successful, Mm. massive, massive win for them. One of their campaign slogans was, we will protect our green space. You know, that is exactly the kind of thing the Lib Dems are saying locally to try and get votes. And it's working, especially in those southern seats. It's a really big issue. And this hasn't come from nowhere. Things have changed in the housing market, in the availability of homes, in the cost of homes. So what is the scale of the problem? And can we call it a crisis? I think we can call it a crisis because... More and more you are finding that young people, and I use the word young quite kind of loosely there, we're basically talking about under 40s here. We're not just talking about, you know, like 21, 22, 23 year olds. This is people under 40, what you'd call millennials, not being able to get on the housing ladder. So people in their mid 30s to mid 40s are three times more likely to rent than 20 years ago. So it is a home ownership crisis. More people are renting, fewer people can afford to own their homes. And that is the point, isn't it? It's become less affordable. So is that both prices going up and also wages not keeping pace? Yeah, exactly. So it's a bit of both. It's lack of supply and um, rising demand. So that inevitably pushes up the prices. Um, But we also do know there has been a stagnation of wages. At the moment, it takes the average Londoner first time by 15 years to save for a deposit. It's a long time, unless they're very lucky and have the bank of mum and dad behind them. Mm. But it took their parents' generation just four years. Gosh. It's a big difference, right? And then in 41% of places, we talk about England and Wales here, the cost of a home now exceeds 10 times the median annual income. And that was up from just 1% 20 years ago. So there's been a huge shift as yeah. we go throughout the years. How's that happened? Well, I mean, how long is a piece of string? How long have you got? I think what's very interesting in this debate is we often end up speaking about deposits, right? And that's something the government has tried to address with schemes like the Help to Buy scheme, which is wound down now. And that was the scheme where the government would top up your savings by 25% up to a cap to get your first home. That was quite heavily criticised as only increasing the demand problem and not the supply. But as those stats show there, there's a wider problem with even if you are able to scrimp and save and get that deposit together, especially in London and the South East, 10 times your income you would have to borrow and mortgage lenders just don't lend that money. And on the supply point, that's not something which we've all realised is an issue in 2023. Even back in 2019, the Conservatives, Boris Johnson, for it is he, 
was making big pledges about more homes need to be built. So let's look at 2019. There was that massive win, that majority. Boris Johnson was riding high on, what, an 80-seat majority. I was working in Yorkshire at the time, actually, and I remember him coming and visiting those red wall seats and people turned out with handwritten signs to welcome him. He was that popular. And I don't mean the ones that Tory HQ hand out for these visits. I mean, (laughs) they made them themselves. It was, you don't see that in politics in this country very often at all. So he was very, very popular with his voters. He was very popular with his MPs. And he clearly felt emboldened to be able to really make some pledges that were big and bold and ambitious. Is allowing us to build tens of thousands of superb new homes, hundreds of thousands, on brownfield sites giving young people the prospect of home ownership. And that's where we got this target from, this 300,000 homes a year building target. It had been in the manifesto. He clearly felt he could deliver it. And he felt very, very strongly that that should be done. That's a massive, massive target. It would have been one of the biggest projects since after the Second World War. So it was ambitious, but he wanted to do it. But didn't meet it. He didn't meet it. Part of that you can, I think attribute to COVID. But it's been basically impossible because of a combination of things, whether it's the fact that the planning system is very slow, the pandemic put everything back, and then you get onto the political point that actually it's not very politically salient for a lot of Conservative MPs. And especially in terms of the different factions in the Tory parties, when Boris Johnson leaves and Liz Truss and her lot are in charge. What I would do as your Prime Minister is I would launch a plan for economic growth. They're less keen on, well, particularly that target, Boris Johnson target of 300,000 homes a year being built. Yeah, Liz Truss said she wanted to... I'd abolish the top-down Soviet housing targets that we have across our country. I'm not sure how well Boris Johnson would be taken to being called Soviet, (laughs) in all honesty, but that was where she was at. And look, that plays to a particular voter base. You've got to look at Liz Truss's constituency a little bit on this. And I actually started my career working at a local newspaper in Norfolk. I used to cover Liz Truss when she was a mere backbench, lowly MP, talking about things like housing. Her constituency in Norfolk is very rural. It's very leafy. And people there will have exactly the same concerns as many around the country about overdevelopment, about there not being the services and infrastructure in place to support development. Norfolk has a massive problem with dentists at the moment. No one can get in on an NHS dentist. So say you live in Liz Truss's constituency and the local council says we're going to put 10,000 new homes down the road and already you and your children can't get in to see a dentist and there's nothing proposed to build a new dentist as part of that. You're going to think absolutely not. So it plays to a particular voter base and these aren't irrelevant or unfair concerns for people to have but it is the politician's job others would argue to make it palatable to put the things in place to make sure you can deliver those so yes look Liz Truss uh, vowed to scrap the targets Rishi Sunak promised to bring them back but it's all kind of got on its head a little bit since so we've had the hokey cokey of the 300,000 a year being built no we won't now yes we will But we had a a spanner somewhat thrown into the works last December. 
Yeah, so this was um, one of Rishi Sunak's first big tests, really, after he became prime minister. You had MPs who were really unhappy about this target. You had up to 100 of them saying they were going to rebel on part of the levelling up bill to basically scrap these targets. These MPs who were pushing Rishi Sunak to do this on his own benches, are they all in a similar boat to Liz Truss? You were telling us what the vibe has been in southwest Norfolk. Is it multiplied around Tory heartlands? It's a similar problem. So the leader of this rebellion was Theresa Villiers. We want to see more homes built. Uh, I think there is a question about you know, the 300,000 target and whether that's based on genuine needs some of the she is nicknamed queen of the nimbies and we use the term nimbies in our world all the time but i'm not sure everyone always knows what it means it means not in my backyard so it's essentially not not opposed to house building per se but not in my area thank you very much mm-hmm. which you know she would dispute she would say i'm i'm not an nimby i'm just representing my constituents concerns we need to build the right homes in the right places. But there is a limit. There is a real concern about loss of greenfield land, loss of agricultural land, and over tower blocks in the suburbs as well. All of these need yeah. to be addressed. That there are genuine concerns there. But she's a, she's a former environment secretary and she's the MP for Chipping Barnet in North London. It's always been Tory. And what you've seen, like a similar pattern all over, is the chipping away no pun intended, (laughs) at her her majority. She beat her Labour opposition by only 1,200 votes in 2019. A similar example of that with the Lib Dems is in Dominic Raab's Isha constituency, where he had a majority of kind of high in the 20,000s. And at the last election, the Lib Dems got it down to around 2,000. So you can see why these MPs are getting uncomfortable, why they're getting tetchy but yes she really she really led the charge there and on that charge what is their issue i take your point of what you said about liz truss's patch and lack of services but were they just opposed to anything being built anywhere in their constituency anywhere in their constituency often yes anywhere in the country often no so Mm. what a lot of these mps believe is that london and the southeast is essentially overheated there's too much development in London and the South East and that should be spread evenly around the country. We also have concern about the Green Belt and it's a bugbear of mine that we often characterise the Green Belt as, you know, these kind of green and pleasant lands, rolling fields of, of England and that kind of thing. My other half lives in Tottenham and there is a petrol station near him that is deemed Greenbelt. But <laughs> not quite, you know, the rolling fields that you might see out of a train window whilst you're travelling. What all the Greenbelt really means is to stop urban sprawl around cities. So you don't get suburbs that go on forever and ever. So I think it's a common mistake that we make when we say the Greenbelt. People obviously, quite reasonably, think, oh, no, we must protect our environment. Whereas there is polling to show that if you instead say the belt around a city that prevents urban sprawl, people are really less bothered about it. People do have genuine concerns, but I think it would be wrong to say that they weren't capitalising on that for some kind of electoral gain. 
So, in December last year, the government planned for MPs to vote on their flagship levelling up bill, which included their 2019 manifesto pledge to build 300,000 homes a year. But the rebels weren't so easy to deal with. Basically, what happened is the rebels won. Rishi Sunak backed down. The government appears to have been forced into a major U-turn tonight to head off what could have been an embarrassing backbench revolt. The Prime Minister Rishi Sunak has dropped plans for compulsory house-building targets, replacing them with advisory ones, which would give councils more room for manoeuvre. He folded. He gave in to them. He said, we will make the targets advisory rather than mandatory. It kicked off somewhat. People in the party hopping about it, absolutely furious. It really kicked off in a, in one of the WhatsApp groups. Tory MPs do a lot of their work by WhatsApp nowadays, which is very good for journalists like me because <laughs> often people will screenshot them and uh, leak them yes. to the Times. And any Tory MPs listening, my inbox is always open. Uh, but Greg Hands, the Tory chairman, went onto this WhatsApp group after Labour had kind of tried to capitalise on it. His backbenchers threatened him. And as always, the Blamange Prime Minister wobbled. He did a grubby deal with a handful of his MPs and sold out the aspirations of those who want to own their own home. Was it worth it? And what Greg Hans, the uh, Tory chairman, said, this could play badly for Labour in many places. But not all of his Tory colleagues were happy. In this group, you had Justin Tomlinson, he's the Tory MP for North Swindon, saying, well, why? People need houses to live in. Rising house costs, rent, mortgage deposits plays badly ahead of polling. Mark Jenkinson, Woking, talked about short-termism. Simon Clark is a big voice on the opposition to this. Former housing secretary, the MP for Middlesbrough South. He said, we cannot become the party of nimbyism. It will be hugely damaging to the country and our electoral fortunes. So, look, there is this massive split in the party over this, whether you've got the rebels who won or those that think that essentially the party has stabbed itself in the foot on this issue. And does this split map neatly onto other ideological splits within the party? Is it a fresh division or does it roughly run along previous divisions we've seen? it is an issue that seems to divide the party in a different way. It's Mm. not leave, remain, for example, or you're more right wing of the party and the more kind of Tory wets. It doesn't really go that way because you would not call someone like Simon Clarke particularly a hardliner, but he did support Liz Truss. Mm. However, he's saying we need to build loads of houses. We need to make the argument and take on the hollowness of uh, the NIMBY position because we are seeing an entire generation now being shut out not only of decent homes to buy at an affordable price, but often decent homes to rent at an affordable price. And the backwash of that politically is starting to become really obvious. You also have people on the pro-house building side like Brandon Lewis, former housing secretary, but is a massive Brexit supporter, for example. So the dividing lines don't fall neatly here. And what voters think is one thing, what Conservative MPs think is another, what the people who donate to Conservative politicians think is also quite an influence, isn't it? And there's been there's been shifts afoot. Yes. Yeah, so this is a story that I had in the paper earlier last week. I'd spoken to some 
property developers who donate to the Tory party. And for some context, I mean, they're a massive fraction of donators to the Tory party. There's around £60 million came from property developers to the Conservatives over a 10-year period. That was 2010 to 2020. That was from housing developers and builders who obviously traditionally align themselves with that conservative vision of home ownership. And what the party will often say here, those who support house building, is that how can you have people support capitalism if they can't get capital? You know, <laughs> that, that's the kind it, of yeah. yeah, that's the kind of argument. So we're looking at donations drying up from those property developers. That's not to say they won't again, but they're definitely not happy. I mean, Rob Boughton, who's the chief exec of Fakem Homes, he's a donor. He didn't want to speak for the piece, but he had been posting on LinkedIn and he had called those MPs, those rebel MPs we spoke about earlier, selfish. The ones who blocked housing. Yes, block the housing. ones that want to block housing. He said they didn't care about first-time buyers, didn't care about opportunity. So that's one example guy called Steve Morgan, who donates to the Tories for his company, Bridgemere, who's donated more than a million pounds. He did an interview with an industry magazine a few weeks ago where he was asked directly, will you be donating? And his answer was, well, I think you can draw your own conclusions. And he hadn't really been, you know, glowing about the government in his previous few answers. So they're not happy. And we don't have a politics in this country. And I truly believe this. We don't have a politics in this country where you know, they're paying for favourable policy. That's not what's happening here. However, you can judge the mood of these people who are experts in their industry by whether they want to support the party or not. Coming up, what does all of this mean for the Conservatives at the next general election? whenever that is, and why millennials are the voters to win over. That's after a break. Small details are big surfaces. Tight corners are odd shapes. Flat, rounded, textured or tall. Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1. Only from Rust-Oleum. I'm David Baddiel. I'm a writer and a comedian and a Jew. I'm Saeed Avasi. I'm a businesswoman and a politician and a Muslim. Jews and Muslims always seem to be in the news or on the news. Lots of people talk about us, and this is us talking about ourselves. The kind of things that people say don't touch, we are going to go there. I mean, I think Jews and Muslims are talking about these things, but I think they're not talking about them together because they're worried that if they do, sparks might fly. A Muslim and a Jew go there. Find us wherever you get your podcasts. The biggest test, of course, will be the next general election. And that's, well, that's going to be next year, or even it could even be early 2025, couldn't it? It could be January 2025. How important a factor do you think it's going to be in, in that election, whenever it is? 
Yeah, I've got a bet on for October next year. Have you? Yes. How much for? 20 quid. <laughs> oh, you've tempted me. <laughs> uh, but look, I think I think it's going to be not the biggest issue. The economy is going to be the biggest issue, but it's definitely going to be up there. And it obviously ties in to that economic point as well. Because of the rebellion in December, 55 councils have paused their local plans. They've just outright said, we don't have to do it, so we're not doing it. House building has dropped. We know those rates have dropped. In fact, for five consecutive months, they've dropped. And last month, house building rates fell at their sharpest rate since the start of the pandemic. So it's had a direct impact. And you talk about timing. So even if, say, those targets were bought back tomorrow and all these planning applications went in for these big developments, can the government deliver change before the next election? Will we all suddenly be able to buy homes? No. But they could make moves to show that they were willing to do that. But the reason this is important is because one of the biggest voting groups at the next election will be millennials. And 26% of millennials say housing is one of their top issues. And they're also the large age cohort, right? So 51% of constituencies, millennials are the largest voter group. It's quite a chunk, yeah. It's quite a chunk. And that may even rise as well. They're dominant in those seats where the Tories are challenged, so urban areas. Mm. You know, Labour has been making massive inroads on urban areas, whether it's London, Manchester, wherever. So it's very important to get those votes, but also increasingly in the home counties. The Lib Dems have this phrase, they call it the Surrey Shuffle. And basically they they see it as, you know, people in their late 20s, early 30s, maybe more mid to late 30s nowadays as well, who already live in a city, let's say London, and can't afford to buy somewhere in London. Mm. So they have to move somewhere out that they can commute into, for example, because it's slightly cheaper. So those voters, that core voter group, have now shuffled out, if you will, into those home county seats where the Lib Dems are challenging the Tories. So it's really fascinating. And what is even more fascinating is there was a report out by Onward to the uh, centre-right think tank last week where they said that unlike previous generations, millennials are not getting more right-wing as they get older. It's just very dangerous for the Tories because they have relied for many years on the fact that as people get older, they have more capital, want to protect that, and come round to their way of thinking. It's just not happening. So Lib Dems are hoping for a... Sorry, shuffle. Um, <laughs> Brilliant phrase. The Tories have already gone through their splits and how they're dealing through that particular policy. What's Labour doing? Labour really want to make housing their big issue at the next election. Keir Starmer, in an interview with The Times, has already said that he will bring back that 300,000 target. Um, and he said that he's happy to build on the green belt. Of course we want to put the targets back up. Um, but if that's all we do then we'll simply go back to where we were last year when there weren't enough houses being built. So we also want to take the tough decisions to change the rules when it comes to planning and development. It does show that there is a willingness there to do the unpopular thing. Mm. Ken Clark was on Times Radio the other day and he was saying how when he was 
Cabinet Minister under Margaret Thatcher. Most of the difficult decisions you have to take in government are never popular and they don't immediately win you votes. I was a quite hated figure. Mm. The public will get me, will oppose you and then give you credit in a couple of years where they see that you're beginning to achieve some improvements and it was mm. worthwhile what you were doing. It was short-term unpopular, but long-term they felt the benefit. Mm. So I think that's what Keir Starmer's trying to do now. Last week, we've also had the briefing of a plan that Lisa Nandy, the shadow um, community secretary, would, if Labour win, basically make landowners sell their land for market value. So Labour are clearly wanting to make inroads on this issue and want to make themselves the party of house building. And it's fascinating that it's happening even before the election is really upon us. And we know now it used to be the dividing line in politics was class. It's now age. We're gearing up for a generation war, aren't we, in the next election? Yeah, we are. And this is why this on report last week was so fascinating, because it isn't just housing where millennials are feeling squeezed. They don't feel like the country has opportunity for them. I think polling shows consistently that is the case, whether it's because the economic downturn, whether it's because they feel like they can't get on in life. And that's the reason that's really dangerous for the Tories is that's their whole shtick, right? Work hard, get rewards. And that isn't exactly playing out for people at the moment. A spokesperson for the Department for Leveling Up Housing and Communities said, We have delivered more than 2 million homes in England since 2010, and we are committed to increasing this number even further. In the last year, house building was at the third highest rate for 30 years. But there is more to do. We remain committed to delivering 300,000 new homes per year, and any claims to the contrary are untrue. You've been listening to Stories of Our Times, a podcast brought to you thanks to subscribers of The Times and The Sunday Times, with me, Luke Jones, and my guest today, political reporter at The Times, Geraldine Scott. You can read more of Jerry's work at thetimes.co.uk or in print. And if you're a subscriber, you can also read interviews with Sir Keir Starmer and Theresa Villiers on their housing policies. You'll find that on The Times website. The producer was Sam Chantarasak, the executive producer was James Shield, and sound design was by David Crackles. If you have a story you think we should be covering, maybe you've got an idea for a future episode, or maybe a feedback on what you've just heard, you can email us anytime, storiesofourtimes at thetimes.co.uk. See you soon. Small details are big surfaces, tight corners are odd shapes, flat, rounded, textured, or tall. Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1. Only from Rustolium.